Why, hello, it is Adam. Welcome back to Bringing It Backwards, a podcast where both legendary and rising artists tell their own personal stories of how they achieve stardom. On this episode, we had the incredible opportunity to speak with the legend Roger Eno over Zoom video. Roger was born and raised in Woodbridge in England and talks about how he got into music. There's obviously success in Roger's household when it came to music with uh, his brother, Brian Eno, who was in Roxy Music. And he also worked on massive albums with David Bowie and Talking Heads and U2 and Coldplay. But Brian and Roger are 11 years apart. So Brian was out of the house when Roger was growing up. So Roger talks about how he got into music. He talks about the first instrument he learned, the early bands he played in, having the opportunity to work with his brother on the Apollo album. Then nearly 40 years later, the two of them worked on the Mixing Colors album that Roger had put out. Uh, We talk about that album a lot. But Roger really gets into his songwriting process and just the amount of albums he's put out and scores. and He just released so much music over the years. I think 23 full albums. But Roger talks to us quite a bit about the brand new album called The Skies, They Shift Like Chords and how he had the opportunity to have one of his daughters sing on the album. Uh, so it's a really, really great conversation. You can check out the video version of our interview with Roger on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards. It'd be amazing if you subscribe to our channel, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Bringing Back Pod. And if you're listening to this on Spotify, Apple Music, Google Podcasts, it would be incredible if you follow us there as well and hook us up with a five-star review. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts. We're bringing it backwards with Roger Eno. Hey, Roger, how are you? I'm doing well, thanks, Adam. How's yourself? I'm fantastic. I appreciate you doing this. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. Uh, yeah, whereabouts are you? I am just a little south of Nashville, Tennessee. Oh, nice. So how lovely. Yeah, I love it here. Uh, my family and I moved here uh, about three years ago now from okay. San Diego, California. Yeah. All oh, right, right, right. Yeah, that's about as far down as I got was San Diego. I almost went the next 15 miles to say that I've been to Mexico, but I didn't quite get there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that of Tijuana. Yeah, we're about about that 15 miles or so from Tijuana where I grew up. You could. Oh, all right. Okay. Get, we'd go down there when we were, you know, in high school and stuff. Yeah, sure, sure. Now it's not the safest spot to just go um, hang out as much um, as it used to be, but who knows? Yeah, yeah, things change, don't they? (laughs) A little bit. Um, Well, Roger, thank you again so much for doing this. I was just listening to the new album. Uh, Yeah, I love that you have your daughter on one of the songs. Yeah, isn't she great? Um, Yeah, that's a great song. We work together a lot, Cecily and I. She... um, both of my daughters are really, they've got such lovely voices and they occasionally work together or sing together with me. Um, but sis is the one that's decided to go more into the art world. The other one's a psychotherapist. So oh wow! if you ever um, feel yourself going crazy, I could give you her number. <laughs> <laughs> I might need um, it. I might need it right after this call. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's, let's see how we get on. Uh, uh, yeah. Well, not not because of you. I should you. I could use it now, to be honest. Right. 
But no, Sis is a, a she's such a lovely person to work with. She's really, really funny, extremely bright, and has always got a, a really good angle on things. So in that particular piece, I'd um, I'd kind of envisage it as another string piece, rather like the one that starts the album, Chordal Drift, in uh-huh. that kind of, in that sort of mode. And I thought I finished it, but then then realised it could this could really be like a little gem. So I, I got Sis involved and she wrote the melody. A friend of mine wrote, it, it comes from a poem of his, um, was the first line. And she wrote the rest to see, suit her um, very uh, meandering style of singing on that, which I, I absolutely adored. And I really like that. It makes a, a, a beautiful little um, cherry on the cake, doesn't it, in that record? Oh, yeah. It's a really, really great song. Well, thank you. Um, well, I, and, I, and I appreciate you taking time to, to hang out with me today. Uh, first off, where were you born and raised? I, I think uh, you're born in England, correct? Yes, that's right. I was born in a, in a, a little town called Woodbridge, which is um, the setting was beautiful, actually. In fact, strangely enough, I was there today uh, oh, to, wow. get these, to get these glasses. Look, these nice. New oh, glasses. I like those. Oh, thank you, Adam. Brand new, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, it's a sort of idyllic upbringing, actually. There were um, American Air Force bases very close by. Mm. It's, um, this is sort of during the Cold War, <laughs> uh, which... <laughs> And these um, these bases actually carried nuclear weapons. So it was a it was a bit of a strange atmosphere if you thought about it too much. But that was my, uh, uh, you know. So I, I I played with American kids and what have you. Um, and it was it was a very very peaceful peaceful place for a child. And my parents were were great. They were both working class. You know, I was born in what you'd call social housing, council house, it's called, in Britain. My dad was a a mailman, a postman. And my mother was, um, she was a dinner lady and did bits and pieces. You know, they they were by no means well off. But they were extremely caring and remarkably enlightened in that they gave a room of their house to myself and my younger sister. I've got a two year, she's two years younger than me. Mm -hmm. And we could do whatever we wished in that that room. I mean, literally whatever we wanted. There was a sand pit in there, a piano that we could just beat the, well, me, (laughs) (laughs) beat the the bejesus out of. Uh, we could write on the walls, tear the paper off, you know, really. That's amazing. Kind of, yeah, experience. And the remarkable thing was, you know, they didn't read a single book about the, the best way to bring up children, but they kind of hit on hit on it naturally. I was going to say, that's a great one. I wish I had a room in my, I should make one in my house that I could just let my kids go wild. In. Yeah, yeah, it's a good <laughs> idea. It really is. I yeah. mean, actually, because then they're doing their thing and you can do yours right yeah go to town do whatever you want in this room yeah exactly yeah so that, it was a it was a great place um i joined a brass band when i was about 13 which i really enjoyed and that mm-hmm. that that gave an uh, an idea of it's a sort of folk music brass band music isn't it um 
and it gave a it, it gave me as a young person the experience of working with much older people because mm-hmm. in this band there were people in their 70s and, and oh wow happened, you know there was a, a great a great range of things so it, it socially it was very very useful and was that did you start on euphonium is that what i saw is that the first instrument yeah, it, it, oh, that, wow. yeah the, the very the very first instrument that i started was cornet like you know like trumpet cornet, oh like, okay kind of, small corner uh trumpet rather yeah it's uh which i still i still have i changed to euphonium just before i went to music college and very quickly found out that the piano is much more useful than a euphonium but when but going be- prior to the euphonium you said you pl- what was that instrument called i'm, I'm sorry and how old uh, were you cor- cornet c-o-r-n-e-t okay cornet okay yeah and you yeah, started yeah. on that at what age what happened was that i went to um at, at that point mm-hmm. in history which it now is there was this thing called an 11 plus which is an, an exam that you everyone took unless they went to what you would call private school mm-hmm. but in britain it's called public school so you know where your parents pay oh for you to go yeah a great yeah. deal of money to get um i don't know if you call it an education anyway <laughs> um but most other people had to take this exam and that meant that the day that you took that was going to alter your life frankly because if you passed it you got a job like in white collar, you'd get a job in an office or a bank or, you know, some some kind of administrative generally um, job. And if you failed it, you'd lift heavy things for other people. Like you'd be a manual worker, like you'd carry fridges around and things, oh, wow. you know, whatever. It was really harsh. So that, and that's and at what age? You said 11 you're taking this? 11 class? you took. Oh, that, my yeah. gosh. That's yeah. a- <laughs> it's your it's. <laughs> that's real, so young it's just terrible isn't it so oh my anyway, God. I, I failed this and i i cried because i knew ahead of me was going to be this um this life of of labor i mean i didn't want either i didn't want to work in an office believe right. me that you know i didn't want any of that but i also didn't want to carry you know just do some mundane um kind of yeah. Big ditches or something. Like, yeah, yeah no, exactly. the manual labor. Yeah, of course. And I, and I swear, you know, I've got no um, snobbish area about, about that to me. I mean, like I said, my dad was a postman. You know, we come mm-hmm. from that background. I've got no um, uh, elitism at all. Mm-hmm. It's just that I didn't really want to do that kind of thing. Sure. So um, after I'd cried, my parents didn't care either way really all they were they wanted to be me to be was happy genuinely that was what they wanted um they saw that i was very upset through this um failure so my dad and i walked around this school and they showed us the woodwork room and the metalwork room and the diddly da the sports hall and this and that we came to the music room and on a table was a cornet there were a few instruments laid out and I picked that thing up Adam and I blew it and I made a note out of that and I swear to you that that was at that point I knew what my life was going to be wow that's it that's it I'm going to become a musician it was as clear as that and that's what I did so the time that I was at school I I basically ignored 
what I didn't want to learn, which was most of everything. <laughs> right. <laughs> but was very interested in these weekly music lessons. And as I said, I then played in a, you know, in a brass band and what have you. Mm-hmm. So come at the end of a at the end of the school, I don't know how long I was been there. What do you leave at sixteen or something? Yeah, mm-hmm. something like four years I've been there. You start at about twelve okay. and leave at around six, something like that. And you have um uh, a person called a, um, a careers officer, and they come around and say, what would you like to do? And I say, I don't know, I guess I'll just become an electrician or work in a butcher shop or something like this. <laughs> and the man, I happened to be walking down the corridor and the geography teacher was there and he said, what are you going to do? And I said, well, look, I, I've, I've really haven't got an idea. And he said, well, have you thought, he played tuba. Mm. Um have you ever thought about going to music college? In all the four years I was there, no one had ever mentioned that that was a possibility because at that school you just weren't assumed that you'd go on to any sort of higher education. Mm-hmm. Like there would be no, um, you know, no college, no university. It was just you were there and then you'd go and get a job. You'd so like learn I, a trade or something? Or, or you, yeah, once you, you finish, you, yeah, you'd just go to work. Yeah. So... After I found that out, I just I just took an audition, got into the college that I went to. I, I looked into two, but once I got into one college, I didn't bother about the rest. And from then on, I mean, I was in heaven because I was just my my all of my time was spent involved in music. So I joined mm. as many bands as I, I played in a punk band, a, oh, Ger- wow. a German umpire band, all the or- virtually all the orchestras in in college folk groups um oh rock bands the whole thing you know and i'm, I'm taught, teaching myself all different instruments so i ended up playing like 18 different instruments or something i don't know how many but lots uh-huh. um, and that was just because of this one conversation in a in a corridor with a geography teacher of all things because he he just gave this, you know, he told me that such a thing as a music college exists. Can you believe that? Mm-hmm. And that was that was the turning point because the first turning point was getting an instrument, uh, sorry, a noise out of an instrument, and mm-hmm. the second one was this person saying, well, you can develop this. And, I mean, talk about luck, eh? Yeah, wow. Well, I'm just curious. So you, you that was the first you had heard of, you know, going to music, school for mm-hmm. music at that point. Yeah, exactly. um, well, you're, you know, your brother is another, you know, uh, successful musician as well, but he's what, sure. like 10 years older than you? He's quite a bit older than you. He's right? 11 years older. Yeah. Okay. Right. So had he, are, was he out of the house and everything at that point? Oh, like, yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, you probably didn't, I my my sister's 11 years younger than me and she doesn't right. even really remember me living at home at all. So no. it's like I, I was kind of trying to put that together with probably you and your brother yeah it's just such a big wide gap that you yeah it's it's a very very similar thing the only advantage with with having him as an as a having such an age difference was that he'd already shown my parents that it was possible to make a living out of music because bear in mind that he was in roxy music and they were yeah a successful band of course yeah so that kind of um, I think rested my parents 
which could be trepidation. You know, what do you do? What do you mean? Why don't you get a proper job? Sure. <laughs> From memory, that wasn't, you know, I didn't, I wasn't troubled by that. Okay. Because they then saw that the arts could pay, you know, you could, you could make a living out of them. Okay. Yeah. 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 Cause he's quite, yeah. Like you said, 11 years older. So I was just thinking about back to like my sister and I's age gap that it was so big that, you know, we're, we have a good relationship now, but growing up, I mean, she, we didn't have, we weren't very close cause we're, no. the age gap was so big. No, um, it's, it was slightly different with my brother and myself because although this is a bit later <clears throat> when I was in, yeah, when I was in my teens, I'd go and stay with him in London. So this was the, this was the height of glam rock, you know. So um, it was quite an exotic place to go to. So we kept in touch. He was always he was always a good brother, but just by nature of the age, there yeah. wasn't big distance. But we'd meet up, and um, as I said, I'd go and see him in his flat in London, what have you. But that we I we were close, but we really got close when we recorded Apollo together. Which yes, was in 1983. So I'd have been what 24 then, and Brian okay. then 35, I guess, wouldn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, but we just got on. I mean, remarkably well. We worked easily together. We laughed at the same jokes, and I mean, most of it when we weren't working, we were just on the floor crying with laughter. So it wouldn't, you know, you didn't get much better than that, really. And yeah. then you end up, which I didn't realise at the time, but you end up with something that's going to be a seminal record. You know, it's a yeah. remarkable piece of work, isn't it? Uh huh. Yeah. Was was Apollo probably wasn't the first album you had worked on, though, right? You were. Pro I mean, you said you were in a bunch of bands before, so like, yeah, we did through college, with... and then <clears throat> yeah, but that was the first you worked with. With, with him I, on. I I worked with um Brian would give me some of his old equipment like Revox tape to tapes. Mm. So I I was used to I, I used to record at home and I think I had a a really oh no that was later actually. No, I worked on these very primitive devices. So I I was writing my own material from uh, ages ago. I discovered Eric Satie's what happened and I thought this um this Frenchman that died in 1925 was a, an absolute genius. He could write these beautiful pieces with sort of three notes. And I thought that's the approach that I want. I didn't, I, I never, when I, even when I listened to classical music, all of the classical music I liked was slow. I didn't mm. like the sort of quick twiddly stuff. It always sounds a bit silly. So <laughs> when I was, when I was writing music, it was, um, Again, it was game was almost uniformly, uniformly slow, which happened to coincide with what Brian was doing. Um, his inter you know, the early sort of his early ambient days. So I think what happened, I sent him a a ninety minute cassette tape <clears throat> of virtually unchanging music. It was like a drone that went through it, and oh wow! And he uh, responded by inviting me over to work on Apollo with him and Danny. And so that's how wow. that came about. Oh, my because gosh. We'd, we'd kind of met in a point without having spoken about it. You know, that's we were sort of both interested in that area. Mm -hmm. um, and it kind of, yeah, we, we'd, we'd met without really discussing it, I think. And you just kind of came together at that point, and then you worked I, on Apollo it, together? Yeah. It seemed, it seemed to be the case, yeah. And then at that point, did you guys go, he kind of went off and did his own thing, and then you were 
continue, continued working on your own projects at that point? Yeah, what, what I did actually was um, after that, uh, I, I'd, I'd lived in London before that. I was a music therapist before that. So no way. I, yeah, yeah. I was used oh, wow. To, I was used to using music in a, in, in a way that wasn't just entertainment. Mm-hmm. You see, that's where, that's kind of where my interest in in the um, uh, the more subtle sides of music, if you like, come from. Yeah, it, it's what it, it it's kind of what it does to your your psyche and so on. Yeah, so I was using this for sort of um, it, it's too extravagant to say medical reasons, but you know, I wasn't I wasn't making I wasn't writing music as entertainment per se. Mm-hmm. So that that's. Um, that would account a lot for how Brian and I ended up in a similar place because he wasn't doing it for entertainment either. He was doing it for music that you could just think to and, and right. sit in, you know. So there were, there were obvious parallels there. That's interesting because I, I love, you know, reading and learning about like music therapy and like sound baths and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's so interesting and like how you can make certain frequencies, they'll make you'll see it like on water it'll make like shapes and stuff I've got, i don't know if, i don't know where the book is i'm just cleaning well my dear wife has just cleaned my book up books up <laughs> bless her heart here this is this is a really clear version of um what it was like before see all those books on the floor oh wow so this is now tidied up there's a box there of poetry that's got to go somewhere um <laughs> so somewhere in there there's a book on what's it called it's an it's a, a machine that allows you to see what shapes frequencies are making. No way. And harmonies, yeah, yeah. And I can't find the book. I could show you the cover. Uh, it's That's just so it's, cool. Have you ever cool. used that? Like to you know, you put sh- like, does it work in the sense of like you're building like almost like a Lego or not a Lego, but like a Tetris? Like these shapes go together, and that's why these chords go together. Yeah, Have exactly. Is yeah, that right? Yeah, wow. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it looks pleasing as well as sounds pleasing. That's it's, crazy. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, it makes you, it, it throws you into another part of the world completely. <laughs> yeah, no, 100%. Yeah. When I saw that the first time, I'm like, this is like, it blew my mind. But yes. Wow. Yeah. So wow. After, after Apollo, Brian, I don't know what, what he did, actually, because it was that. No, I'm, I'm not quite sure what he did. Um, I went back to London and I started playing in, um, or was I playing already in those, like uh, late night drinking places and things like oh, okay. strip, strip clubs and things. <laughs> oh, really? Were you just playing, <laughs> you just playing your songs? No, like, not mine. Oh, no, I was playing, okay. I used to, I'm a great fan of Fats Waller as well. Uh, okay. Yeah, that, that kind of um, sort of good time. <laughs> good time stuff i sort of mix the mix the times up actually but i think i know uh, around that point i've met my now wife i mean we've been married a long long time um and as soon as a a royalty check came through mm-hmm. we left london and moved back to the country and that was just great i mean basically most of my life has been spent on a bicycle <laughs> driving wow. riding around in the country sort of thinking of um just thinking how lucky i am actually a lot of it 
So that's amazing. I'm envious of that because you didn't you didn't have to tour really as much and do any of those no, type of things. No, See, no that's I've, the life I would want to do. If I was, I mean, I think it's cool that people can do that, but I'm just such an introverted homebody that I would like yeah, to yeah, yeah, bike no, around. I mean, that's that's such a cool <laughs> way to do it. It's great, isn't it? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm extremely fortunate. And so now when I tour, this is um, which I really like as well. I've been doing that for oh, oh decades, really literally mm -hmm. decades but they're always really good interesting venues like we i played in a a, a stalactitic cave in lanzarote for example uh, which is wow. this um, you know in the canary islands i played in a disused abattoir in spain a monastery somewhere they pick these fabulous fabulously off the wall or beautiful places you know that's so cool um, yeah, it's 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 fabulous. And your so, music is would be such a cool, like immersive experience in that type of yeah, environment. exactly, exactly. Wow, yeah, you've got it. Yeah, it's it's a it's a real it's a real joy. I mean, honestly, I've I've just been utterly blessed. It's it's fabulous. So I must cool. have and been really, really good in a past life, I think. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean, you've put out so many albums and you've also worked with so many, uh, you know, big artists and just sure. over the years, just kind of, I mean, you've, it looks like just going off of your discography. I mean, you've put an album out like almost every year or every yeah. other year since you know, the eighties, right? Like yeah. 85. <clears throat> yeah. I can't remember how many of our, what, about 25 or something, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's so impressive. Well, excuse me, Adam. I've got a bit of a cough going on here. Um, oh, no worries. But it's, it's, to me, it's like, um, um, what am I trying to think of? They're almost like mementos, you know, about the stage of your life where you're at. Mm -hmm. which I like. I, I quite like the idea of that's a way of sort of documenting or at least at least saying, well, I've, I've been here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I've done something. May not be much, but I've done something. <laughs> yeah. Well, going back kind of like to the music uh, therapy and everything, I mean, you hear for me, it's like you hear a song and it'll take you back to a you know time period or like yeah. it, it's like it, it will kind of time travels for you in a certain way. Like when so, you hear certain albums of yours, do you remember, like, will it bring you back to like, oh yeah, this is like this timestamp of my life? Certainly, certainly it does. And and sometimes, very occasionally, you think, well, I wonder if that was the right thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but just some things in inevitably date them, like technology would date mm. a sound, for example. Um so sometimes uh, some of the sounds I hear, I think, oh, that sounds a bit kind of passe, really, you know. Yeah. It crude. <laughs> well, when it goes, I mean, like I said, you worked, you worked with like David Gil Gilmore like, in the past, like mm -hmm. five or six years. I mean, you've done so many albums and uh, going into like uh, COVID, you know how a lot of musicians were like, you know, oh my gosh, I can't tour. Like that was their whole livelihood. For you, yeah. were you able to take that time to just really hunt? I mean, were, did it affect your writing at all in, in a sense of like, no, no, that, that it was, just it, that what was you a, were used to? Yeah. Oh, completely. Uh, because I don't, I don't really work. I don't know how everyone else works, of course, but what I do is what mostly work on my own. Mm -hmm. I've got a, <clears throat> A table up here and manuscript paper. I've got fountain pens. 
that I saw. Well, you write it all out? Yeah, yeah, a lot of it. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Yeah, yeah. Not all. It depends what it is because a lot of it is improvised. In fact, most of my stuff comes from the original idea as an improvisation that okay. I'll then write out to using concerts later because my memory is terrible. So I need some kind of reference as to what I've done. Plus, I try, and I, I fail sometimes at this, but I try to write at least one piece a day so that wow. there's a constant, you know, constant flow going. In fact, I've, I've failed recently because I've um, I've just been bloody miserable, frankly, <laughs> which happens to the best of us sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, but, but uh, yeah, so I, I turn out a lot of material. Uh -huh. So to have a reference of what you've done is is inv invaluable. So you just write, even if it's just a little line that's a, a, a hint into that, the atmosphere of that piece. Mm -hmm. uh, so in concerts, what I'll do, I'll often take a piece that's that's been recorded, one of mine that's been recorded, but then use that as a, 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 as a kind of a gate you can open into an improvisation. So that then you've got this whole field of a new piece ahead of you. Mm, yeah. Well, I was curious about like with mixing colors. So, for example, like Apollo was like the first big record you were talking about being on with your brother. Right. And then come 2020, X amount of years later, you, you work on that album, the two yeah. of you together, and you do the full album, right? The both of you. Yeah. Well, that was a that was an interesting story because. As I said, I work in them um, virtually every day, mm -hmm. and often what I'll do, I'll send my brother and uh, an artist friend of ours, or of mine, or now ours, or other people that I think would be interested, like a postcard of what I've been working on. So it'll be um, like the, the, an MP3 of just saying, "Oh, this one came out this morning." Just something as simple as that, you know. Um, and I've, I've been doing this. To, with with uh, my brother over, he says fifteen years, and I could believe that it could be a long time. Wow! Um, but he had the the brains to keep these, and so that meant that we we got this catalogue that like of eighty pieces that I'd sort of many of which I'd forgotten about, and many of which weren't of very good quality to be honest. Because you know mm. when you're when you're turning them out, you're not editing and. You're just thinking, oh, that's today's, and I'll go back to it or whatever. Yeah. Um, and also at the same time, I phoned, I found myself staring at the walls too much. It was, I think, maybe in October, and in Britain, it's October now, and it's getting darker. What, where are we at? Six o'clock. So, mm. you know, it's not the time to be in low spirits in, in winter in Northern Europe. Yeah. So I phoned up a chap called Ray Hearn that I knew was my brother's manager, but who I'd worked with in the, I think it was the early 90s. He put on a tour of Japan for myself, uh, Laraji and Michael Brook. I don't know if those names mean anything to you, but they were all on on Opal, on the Opal label. Mm, okay. So I knew Ray from that point. So I phoned him up and almost my exact words were like, I said, Ray, I didn't want to stand on his or my brother's feet. You know, I didn't want, and also I didn't want to have the idea that I was kind of hanging on Brian's coattails, you know. Right. But yeah, I mean, you put out like 20 albums before that. Oh, yeah. It's, I, mean, it's, 
I'm in a strange position because, you know, Brian isn't a normal brother, is he? I'm sure he's a normal brother to you, but I mean, he is a big, (laughs) big deal when it comes to the industry. Yeah. So um, I said to Ray, do you know of a manager that would be interested? Because I thought him being a manager, he had no other managers. So I said, do you know of of anyone that would be interested in looking after me? And to my utter joy, he said, I will. So what that meant, Adam, that I'd hit gold because you don't get better than this person. So this was at just the point when Brian had collected all these pieces that I'd sent him over the years just as kind of out of friendship, you know. Like I said, I'd, I view them as postcards. Um, and it was when Ray wanted to get us a, um, a, a deal, us being Brian and myself. I don't know if he was thinking about Brian individually to start with. I don't know how, what happened. But it was with Deutsche Grammophon. So that's how Mixing Colours came out. We were on a label that Ray wanted us to be on. Ray is an extremely acute and very pleasant and cultured man. He's a really good fella. Um, and he so he knows what tactical directions to take, if you see what I mean. That's how that all came out. Those, those, those things came into play. And that's how Mixing Colours was made. So basically, I did all my part in my studio which is where I'm speaking from now. Mm-hmm. And Brian did all of his, the post-production and adding and the, the MIDI work and what have you, in his in London. So we never, I don't think there was one point during that recording process where we were actually in a room together. Oh, wow. And that was like the COVID time too, right? I mean, yeah, exa- yes, yeah, and all that yeah, stuff exactly. too. And which, and again, terrible to say, but that, a lot of people found um, a great deal of benefit from that album just because, you know, they were in a, people were in a terrible place there. Mm-hmm. No, 100%. So, so that, you know, it's got a lot of, um, people have got lots of good, <laughs> I was going to say good memories. I don't know if that's quite true. Lots of memories of that record. <laughs> for yeah. Period, you know. And you got to do a show with him, right? For the first time a couple of years ago? It was great, yeah. And my daughter was there as well. She was singing in the Acropolis. Which wow. Was, it looks like uh, a beautiful venue. I saw some photos oh, from it. It's extraordinary. I mean, it was it was sort of beyond. Like I said, I played in great places. You know, I played in the, um, uh, what do you call it, the Royal Festival Hall in London. Mm-hmm. I can't remember where in the States, but, you know, high, good venues. But when you get to play in a place that, kind of founded Western civilization. Yeah. You're, on a, you're on a different level, aren't you? 100%. <laughs> That's, it, yeah. And it was such joy. I mean, having, uh, there's a really great film made of that, made of us playing there. It's a German film crew. And my God, did they know what they were doing. And there's a point where I introduced my daughter and I can't, um, I can't keep my tears back. I mean, the feeling of pride was so immense of, of um, performing with her. It's, it's just such a great thing. That's so cool. Yeah, and she's on the, the obviously this new album, and and is that the first album that she's worked with you on, or ha- uh, have you had her on? Let me just. Tr- I'm trying to think. What the- yes, I think it might be actually. She sang. Actually, that's not true. She did a version with her sister. Okay. 
a piece called Bells. If you look at my album called The Turning Year, it's okay. got a track called Bells on it, which originally was a solo piano piece. Have you found it? I'm looking right now. Hang on. Yeah. If you look on an album called Rarities, which was kind of outtakes of the sessions from the turning year, mm -hmm. there's, there's one called Bell's Vocals, and that's got my two daughters singing on it. So in a way, she has been, but again, it was kind of at a distance. Okay. You, you have you found that? You can find it on YouTube quite easily. I'm trying to find it right now, yeah. yeah um, if, you, if you put Roger Eno Bell's and then Vocals, those two... the my girls will come up. Well, they're not girls. They're 28 and 30. Oh, yeah, yeah. I found it. There you go. So, oh, kind, wow. of, so kind of, yes, they did work with me, but no, they didn't. <laughs> yeah, so this is the first time they were on the actual record of, sure. uh, or actual album. Wow. I'm going to have to watch this. I just bookmarked it. The, the two of them are standing next to each other. in the. That's right. Video. Exactly. Yeah. <clears throat> Oh, it's a beautiful spot. You guys shot the video too. That's um, yeah, and also great filmmaker Dave Meyer is is really a good man. And it's a forest near us called Dunnish Forest. Oh, it's okay, yeah, it's a bunch of beautiful trees. And yeah, exactly. what a cool atmosphere. There you go. Um, well, going into this new album, and just because you work so much, was this any different? I mean, aside from having you know your daughter on the album or. Going into this, where was your mindset different, or I guess just talking about this album and going into it? Yeah, um, I wouldn't say it's different. What I knew, I knew what we had. I had a good idea of what we were going to do. I'd had pre, I'd kind of pre-worked. You know, I had all the pieces worked out. Mm. But the the great thing is that what working with Deutsche Grammophon has allowed is extremely high quality instrumental players. Like they're all like they're kind of members of the, if not the Berlin Philharmonic, that sort of level of. Wow. of I can't remember what what orchestras they're in, but I mean they're they're like the peak, you know, peak players. So that means that you can get a, I can get now get a sound that I've always really liked, which is a chamber orchestra. So smaller than the symphonic, mm -hmm. it's much more, it's much closer. Um, it means that people can work more intimately with each other so you can get a kind of um well sorry to use the word again but a more intimate feeling yeah that, that was that's kind of the thrill for me the the hard one actually is going to be if i'm invited to do a third with them because the two the first two have have got quite similar uh palettes tonal palettes mm -hmm. except that I, I put I, I asked a friend of mine to Put electric guitar on it is a really great it's, so it's got ebo and whammy strat and this kind of these kind of effects and also christian badzura the producer he added some really tasty synth touches to it i mean he's he's got really good ears he's, he's he was in england for 10 years in liverpool he mm -hmm. speaks perfect english he's got a, a british sense of humor which really makes it easy for me yeah. uh, and at perfect pitch you know he's he's a he's a very good musician as well so he he cut loose a bit more on this so it's going to be the third one i think might be hard because you can't i i don't feel i could use that palette again it's got to be somehow adapted sure so this second one i was quite happy to go along with almost a similar sound but slightly adapted 
Sanders the first. Um, but the third, I think people think, hang on, hang on a minute. He's <laughs> done this before. <laughs> <laughs> it's what it's what because I mean, you just released the album like a, a week or two ago, not yeah. even two weeks ago. And yeah. you already, you know, you're planning ahead for the next one. Well, it's worth <laughs> it's worth thinking about, don't you? Don't you? Don't you think? Yeah, no, hundred percent. I'm sure you've had it done, and you're like five steps ahead. But yeah, it's just funny. Like if you think if you're a car designer, you know, you see all your your cars all over the road. You're not yeah. going to you're going to think for a while. Oh, that's a really good design of a car. But what I'll do next? What else thing? can I do? Yeah, right, yeah. There right. you go. <laughs> yeah oh that's awesome um well so you are you gonna work with that's that's when you work with that um they weren't a a symphony but yeah the, that that group of people the chamber group yeah, yeah chamber group were you are you with them in the room or do you send oh, yes. them a track yes. okay yes no i'm there i go to berlin to i, I went to berlin to record those two a couple of other a couple of tracks were recorded in different places but um with with that group, it's in this fabulous studio on the outskirts of Berlin called um, Teldex. And their thing is they've got like um, vintage Neumann mics and amps. And oh, wow. Uh, one of the great blessings in my life is when I, because I play solo piano, mm-hmm. it's, I can't take a piano on the plane. So they have to, <laughs> everyone has to supply a, an instrument. A piano, Yeah. And these are like the best instruments in the world. You know, they're Steinway Concert Ds. They're eight eight feet, 11 inches long. They're just immense things. Um, real joy to play. And there's, a, there's one of those in this studio. And my preferred one is a Steinway B. It's 1960, something like this. So it's a vintage. It's beautiful, just a beautiful instrument. It's much more um, subtle in a way than the the... The instrument, the the great, the bigger instrument, which is kind of manufactured to compete with a symphony orchestra, you know, tubers and cymbals and bloody great things like that. So yeah, I'm 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 very fortunate in in my life. I can stop there actually. <laughs> wow. Yes. Um. So how many people do you, when it comes to this album, like having like all the people that are in it or work on the album, you will have them, you'll work directly with them. It's not like a file share. Then they oh, put no, their piece no, no. on. No, no, this is, um, I, I just, I, I like the idea of, um, humans mixing with each other. Yeah. hundred percent. You know, a lot of the, a lot of the scores that I write are kind of, um, designed, so that the players have to figure out how they're going to communicate with each other. So there might be a score of three notes in in the violins. For example, four in violas, vili da da So what are they going to do? Are they can play all those notes quickly or slowly or one after the other? Are there going to be gaps? What I like is the idea that people have a kind of, um, there's a democracy to that sort of music because they have to figure out how to literally find harmony between each other. So this becomes like a, almost a political allegory for me. <laughs> so that, you know, the, the, and you know when you've got harmony because you can hear it. Yeah. <laughs> and so I, you send like, it over there and just kind of see what they're going to do with it. In that yes, sense. And, yeah. And, yeah, that's right. And, uh, and if it doesn't work, then it's ditched. But if it does... <laughs> If it does, then it's um, uh, 
I, I find that as a, a kind of um, sort of heartwarming seeing humans getting on together, frankly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That's so cool. Um, well, Roger, thank you so much for taking time to to chat with me today. You are this has been so great. I appreciate oh, it's it. A pleasure. No, it's been a real. It's been a nice little. Oh, what is it? Three quarters of an hour. My head. Time flies when you. <laughs> well, again, I appreciate it. I don't want to take all your time up. I have one more question for you. Sure. Uh, I want to see if you have any advice for aspiring artists. Um. I'm trying to be sincere about this because it's very difficult. Uh, don't don't necessarily copy the popular. Yeah, that'd be about it. That's not to say you don't have to copy something, but don't obviously don't follow what's in the charts at the moment. That's probably the better thing. Think what was in the charts 50 years ago. Uh, take that as a, a kind of starting point and then make it sound like something that's happening now. That might be better advice. Or just do, do anything you love and steal from people. <laughs> Oh,